So uh, we want to take some time because February 15th was officially our six-year anniversary as a church, and that's uh, really exciting. So just after our four-year anniversary in April of 2019, we moved onto this campus for the first time, and uh, so we've been in this building for a little less than two years. Uh, But man, God has done some incredible things over the last six years, and so uh, I wanna take some time this morning remembering year six and letting it propel us into what we believe year seven holds for us. And so in the Old Testament, uh, there was a practice of erecting altars in places as spiritual markers to remember specific events that happened in that place. And so today we may erect uh, statues or uh, trophy cases to collect, uh, you know, memorabilia to remind us of things that have happened. And so uh, even this week as I was preparing, I started looking around my office and I've got several things to help me remember events that have happened in my life. Uh, For instance, uh, I I won this, this, uh, on a carnival cruise, uh, it was it was 80s music trivia, and uh, I was 25 out of 25. Um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And so uh, I've got that in my office to remind me all the time. Uh, there's also there's a piece of wood that uh, Brent Parker, the pastor of the church at Wood Forest. He had someone come and and grab a piece of wood from our property uh, as we were tearing it down and had this made uh, for me and gave it to me like a month before we moved onto our campus. And so it was really, really a cool piece of memorabilia. Um, I've got lots of pictures of New York. uh, And New York to me represents adventure. It's a longer story uh, that I've I've told you before, but uh, man, this represents a journey that Jesus and me are on. And uh, it, it, there's, there's a uh, kind of a hidden meaning with regard to New York City, but uh, just all over my office there are pictures of New York, kind of a weird obsession. Um, there's also, um, I've, I've got a, a statue uh, of Yvonne and I when we got married on our wedding day um, that I keep, just reminding me of our marital bliss. Um, I have a picture of a river trip uh, that I took with a group of about uh, 20 guys in 2002 um, that is displayed. Not that one, the the next one maybe. Um, Yeah, so uh, in 2002, we took this trip down the Rio Grande River. I call it a once in a lifetime uh, trip, much like the Grand Canyon, meaning I will never ever do that again. Uh, And then last year, uh, there's a picture uh, of of me worshiping on the African plain. Uh, And this was one of the most moving moments that I had in 2020 uh, with a group of about 15 other people as we were standing out on the plains of Africa as the sun was rising. Uh, These are just a few uh, of of these moments that I remember and I've got these these pictures and, and trinkets that have been accumulated over the years just to remind me of God's faithfulness. I never want to forget these moments. And and you're probably a lot like me that you've got things around your house that remind you of key moments that have happened 
And they remind me of God's faithfulness throughout the years. So Noah built the first recorded altar in Genesis 8, post-ark to commemorate God's faithfulness to save them. In Genesis 22, Abraham erected an altar after Isaac, uh, was, his life was spared uh, on Mount Moriah. And then in Genesis 26, Isaac built an altar at Beersheba, to commemorate the covenant God made with him. Uh, Jacob in Genesis 33 built an altar to commemorate uh, reconciliation with his brother Esau. So we see over and over throughout the Old Testament that, the, that altars would be erected in key moments as a point of remembrance. And so what does that tell us? Man, the Bible is chocked full of, of the idea of remembering. It's always important to remember where we've been because it can often propel us into where God wants to take us. And so I want us to look quickly at an, uh, another altar that was built by the Israelites in Joshua chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, we're gonna take a hiatus from Revelation because we just really wanna see uh, very clearly where we've been and where God may wanna take us. And so some quick context, uh, Israel was rescued from slavery in Egypt about 40 years earlier, uh, remember the Red Sea that parted, Exodus 14, and they passed over on dry ground, uh, and the enemy was swallowed up by the Red Sea. And then they entered this 40-year period where they learned to depend on God. Uh, cloud by night, or cloud by day, fire by night, manna in the morning every day, as a mean of sustenance. And so a lot of times when we think about this 40 years that the Israelites were in the wilderness, we think about wandering, right? That they were wandering around in this, in this really small geographical area of the world. But really this was preparation. God was preparing them, was teaching them how to depend on him because ultimately he wanted to send a blessing their way. Um, during that time, uh, they got in Exodus 20, the 10 commandments. What were the 10 commandments? They were uh, this stone tablet of remembrance. Remember, these are the things that are important in the heart of God for them. And so uh, not only did they get this tablet, but they got these, uh, they developed an ark. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a, 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 a housing or a carrier for the 10 commandments for a jar of manna for the rod of Aaron, which represented the law of God, the provision of God and the direction of God. It had these very specific specifications and it was carried with them on their journey as a reminder of God's presence. And there was a lot of power that went along with it. Uh, you see it as they move on in the Old Testament that they would carry it out in front of them when they went into war and God's presence was just uh, so all over the Ark of the Covenant that, that just the mere presence of the Ark would defeat the enemy. But think about it, this journey was not without gut checks along the way and a lot of pain. And so think about 2020. 2020 was a gut check, y'all, right? I mean, when we think about the year, we will always remember 2020, this worldwide pandemic, when, when the entire world came to a screeching halt. 
And it was a gut check for all of us. And so think about um, one of the moments for the Israelites uh, is chronicled in Numbers 13. The Israelites are finally close to entering the promised land. And so they sent some spies ahead to cross over the Jordan River and to go into the new land to find out what, what was in store for them and to make sure it was safe to cross. And so they came back and remember what the spies said? They said, man, the place is flowing with milk and honey. This is our land of promise. However, there are giants in the land. There are these giant people. There are, there are cities with walls too high for us to scale. We are just a few. They are many. They were scared to death. And so do you remember what the response of the Israelites were at that time? In Numbers 14, you can read about it, but here's what they said. They said, hey, we need to just go back to Egypt. It'd be better for us to be in slavery than it would be for us right on the verge of our land of promise. We move over to the land of promise and then we're all gonna die. They even said, let us appoint a leader to take us back to Egypt. Think about that. This, this moment of gut check, this moment where they had the opportunity to, to either you know, move into their land of promise or to turn and run in the other direction. And they are crying out to move in the other direction. So what did God do? Well, God told Moses, hey, here's the deal. None of this generation is passing over into the promised land. They don't trust me. They'd rather go back to Egypt. And so he just systematically wiped out that generation and said, you will not see the land of promise. And unfortunately, Moses was included in that. Here's Moses who led them out of slavery, who led them in the wilderness for 40 years. And even Moses did not get to see the land of promise. So here's why I'm setting up Joshua 4 for you. We all have a choice to make during tough seasons, right? Either you can let your situation dictate your faith or you can let your faith dictate your situation. You get to choose. And the Israelites, just like you and me, I mean, just think about your life. Man, we are constantly letting our situation dictate our faith, aren't we? that we're looking at it, and when the odds are, are, are against us, we tend to fold. When things aren't working out the way that we think they should, we tend to fold. So when that happened, it costs them big time. And maybe, maybe you can feel that today. Maybe you feel that because of some things that have happened, you have found yourself shrinking back in your faith. You have found yourself maybe kind of pulling away. Maybe you're even here this morning and 2020 has been such a beat down for you. Man, you're just hoping to survive. Well, here's what I think about as a church. So we, we are a collection of individuals, right? And it hasn't been easy, but we feel that 2020 has been a year of faith for us in this movement that we call restoration. That we have seen God do some pretty incredible things that I'll outline for you in a few minutes. But let's look at what happened with the Israelites. After 40 years, the Israelites are finally positioned to possess the land that God promised them. And, and then in Joshua 3, as they are right there, under Joshua's leadership, 
the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant that reached the banks of the Jordan. And do you remember what happened? God parted the waters for them to pass over into the promised land. So think about these bookends, right? That, that to enter out of slavery to the Egyptians, he parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk over into dry ground. And now 40 years later, he parts the waters of the River Jordan, ending this season, and they passed over onto dry ground. So what is it that we need to learn from this? Let's, let's look at Joshua chapter four, starting in verse one. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Okay, so uh, imagine this, the, the waters have been parted and now the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, right? The presence of God is holding back the waters. Do you remember last week in Revelation? Do you remember that, that the angels were holding back the winds? of destruction, in the same way, the presence of God is holding back the waters and allowing the, the Israelites now to cross over into their land of promise. Pretty cool stuff, right? And so they said, to commemorate this, I want you to do what? I want you to build an altar. And so they took one stone representing each tribe of Israel, these 12 tribes. We saw that last week in Revelation 7 as well. And they, they took these 12 12 stones, and when they got up to where they were camping, Joshua built an altar to God to remind them of his faithfulness. Okay, so what was important about this? If you jump down to the end of the passage, um, this is why the altar is important. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, he said, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So number one, this moment was for future generations. When your ancestors ask about this, when the kids ask about this, this is what legacies are made of. Generations of people that will remember this event forever. Think about it. We're reading about it today. 
this, this promise, this altar of remembrance from thousands of years ago, and now we are recipients of that same promise. Good stuff. So that's number one. Number two, look at what else he says. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we all crossed over. The second thing, this movement was a testimony. This moment was a testimony to extraordinary God activity. And we talk about that all the time, right? Every week we say that we want to experience extraordinary God activity at all times. This was extraordinary. Now they had seen it twice. They had seen God hold back the water to rescue them from their enemies and now to move into their land of promise. God dried up the Jordan. They didn't dry up the Jordan. They would have never made it out of slavery had it not been for the hand of God, an extraordinary God that did extraordinary things. He parted the waters and provided the path to the life they always wanted. So number one, this moment was for future generations. Number two, this moment was a testimony to extraordinary God activity. And then number three, this moment was to proclaim the power and the presence of an almighty God. Look at verse 24. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. He wanted it to be very clear that this was a display of the power and presence of God. This moment was so important. Man, put 12 stones down to always remember, this is God's story, not mine. It is his extraordinary uh, God activity that caused it, but it is his power and presence that sustains us every day. So I wanna remind you of why this is important that we remember year six. It's important that we kind of look back and go, okay, what has God done? What is it that he's done that we can celebrate together? So number one, this year was for future generations. It was for future generations. This was another year of building a foundation for future generations. In the middle of an unprecedented pandemic that functionally shut down the world Here's what we were able to accomplish in our sixth year. So I'm gonna read off some things to you and and, and know this, numbers are not an indicator of everything. And so uh, this is not just reading off numbers for numbers sake, but I do wanna remind you, man, this is what God did at a time when when really uh, a lot of the world was shut down, a lot of the world was living in unrest. This is what God did here. And so we could celebrate it together this morning. Last February, we had about 150 men at our men's advance, the most we've ever had. And by the way, that's coming up again, March 5th through 7th, sign up. In March, we dramatically improved our online presence because we had to. Because in the middle of March, the world shut down. And so from mid-March to mid-May, we were in this process of of really uh, developing further our online presence from mid-March to mid-May. In fact, we went from uh, really three services on Sunday to this one online service, and then we were doing an online prayer service midweek. We fully opened our doors 
on June 7th and have remained open since. Yay, God. In a time when a lot of people were shrinking back, um, man, we invested. We hired Josh Agnew as our first executive pastor to help us get our financial house in order and assist us in coaching our staff team. Uh, we hosted pr Peak Week, our preaching camp in July with record numbers of over 150 people in attendance. Uh, we held Zoe Mozzie, uh, our youth event in August with over 50 students in attendance. We held our women's retreat in October with over 100 women in attendance. We, uh, women's Bible study grew to over 100 women in weekly attendance. Our student fall retreat uh, that was broken into guys and girls had 100 students in attendance. And student ministry grew weekly to over 100, many weeks, uh, up to 120 students every week in attendance. Our, our uh, young adult ministry averaged 75 in weekly attendance. And at the end of the year, we were able to bring Sam McCabe on to help us lead that ministry. Um, 50 couples went through re-engage over the last year. 27 life groups, 14 of them at capacity over the last year. Uh, there was powerful worship at every gathering, whether it be online or in person, as Tanner and his team have continued to take us deeper. And if you were here at First Wednesday a couple of weeks ago, it was just completely unhinged, standing room only, the power and presence of God on display. Uh, 10 to 15 new families per week have, have at least checked out restoration since August. Let that sink in. 10 to 15 new families per week. In fact, if you have been a part of restoration since July, August timeframe, would you raise your hand? Look around the room, guys. These are all people that have been here for seven or eight months or less in the middle of the pandemic. Um, over 200 families and individuals have gone through DNA, our newcomers process, in the last 12 months. An average of 50 people uh, daily attended our 6 a.m. prayer and fasting time during this year's 21-day fast. Uh, we almost doubled our outside the walls giving and increased our involvement in our partner ministries. And let me just say this, we put out a call on Thursday, under over was in serious need of supplies and we put out uh, a supply list and, and I, if not all, most of those things were filled within just a few hours. And, and uh, I got word on Friday that restoration people were streaming into Under Over, both dropping off supplies and serving uh, as a part of our ministry to Under Over is incredible. So that's just, there's, there's more, but those, are, those aren't just numbers. They're benchmarks for the foundation that was laid in the middle of a pandemic, y'all. I mean, it's extraordinary what God has done. And so uh, to take that further, number two, this year was a testimony to extraordinary God activity. God has taken our yes to walk in obedience and he's clearly done the extraordinary with it. It always begins with a yes. Right, it always begins with the yes. And know this, I can think about all the times in my life when I said no, when God put an opportunity in front of me and I said no. 
And I am so grateful that, that we have uh, put together a series of yeses as a church, and I believe that God has blessed it as a result. From January 2020, which began with a 21-day fast, to current, just coming out of a 21-day fast, um, God has used our dependence on Him to do the extraordinary in people's lives. I mean, just watch all of the stories uh, that Leanne uh, has put out over the last year. You, you can watch them online, story after story after story of how God has intervened and done the extraordinary in people's lives. Uh, I think about the, the, the Lynches and the Blairs, it's just a couple of those, many others. It's got God's fingerprints all over their lives. In addition, and this will blow you away, God has allowed us, allowed us to have our best year financially, up 13% over last year. That's crazy. Um, golf clap, yeah, good. Okay, so uh, we were able to, to pay down $600,000 in debt, uh, save $600,000, and pay cash for the parking lot that's gonna be completed sometime before Easter. So think about that. That's about $1.6 million that was paid down, saved, and that we're gonna pay for this parking lot. It's because you said yes, but God ultimately gets the glory for his extraordinary work. This is extraordinary God activity, y'all. Number three, this year was a testament to the power and presence of God power and presence of God. So um, here's what I mean by that. So we think about uh, these 12 stones that were erected as, as a, a monument, an altar to God. Well, here's what's beautiful. When you look over in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says this, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. He's talking about Jesus there. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Guys, you are recipients of the power and presence of God. You are the stones that are being built into a spiritual house. You are the altar of God. For, for every single person that has said yes to God, you are a part of the spiritual house that is being built. You represent the power and the presence of God. Every person that, that has uh, received and lived out your Ephesians 2.10 calling. That's who you are. That's who you are. So uh, th there are several people that came to mind and these are just a few of many. So if I leave out your name, just don't, don't take it personally. Uh, these are just a few people that I thought of. Um, uh, Joel Carter, Jeremy Gonski and Wes Lambard, who are the owners of Love Coffee, which will open in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're building this coffee shop and 50% of the proceeds are going directly to Core Love. They're living out their Ephesians 2.10 calling. John and Tracy Rizzo running local ops for Core Love. Billy Beasley, who's running Journey Home. Journey Home is this home uh, that is taking in uh, 
uh, teenage uh, unwed moms that are pregnant or have just given birth and kind of rehabilitating them, helping them transition into life after, uh, after birth. And so uh, right now they have three or four girls that are living at the home and they, they, their house was completely flooded. Uh, this week, and so they're, they're gonna be out of that home for three or four weeks, and so we've committed as a church to putting them up uh, in a hotel for the next month while they're getting that all situated, or if you have uh, an, an Airbnb or rental home that you're not currently using, um, we'd love to just uh, house them there, and so uh, see Josh after the service, but, but here's what we love. What I absolutely love is how Billy is living out her Ephesians 2.10 calling. It was one of those things that she could not not do. And now God is using her powerfully in, in the lives of these young moms. Uh, Sheila Halfman in prison ministry. I can Kim White with, with Pescador and serving in our student ministry. Uh, Justin and Lindsay Alger, Jeff and Kelsey Horner, Cameron Lignofsky, many others serving in student ministry in profound ways. Uh, Todd Ware and Ryan Coronado with so much good barbecue. Uh, man, uh, if you were a part of DNA a couple weeks ago, um, man, he fed how many people that day? 120 or so. Um, and he was here from 4 p.m. on Saturday through about 4 p.m. on Sunday, 24 hours surfing up some deliciousness. Um, a little angry that you're not out there this morning. Uh, Brandon and Rhea Hill, Stephanie Walker, and many others serving with Under Over Fellowship. Jim Stripling, John DeHazes, Chris Williams, a host of others responding to needs all over the area this week and using their expertise to serve the greater community. Um, Walton Liz Bennett running organic Organic Outreach International. They were based in California and they felt God called them to move here. Now they're living here in Houston, running this fabulous ministry that you'll hear more about in the coming months. Uh, Tony and Julie O'Brien leading an addiction ministry here. Uh, Jonathan Hockmeyer, um, what an incredible story. Coming out of a life of addiction now is a licensed therapist getting to counsel people with addiction. What an incredible story. Uh, Dave Shannon and Sarita Schneider, who are running our men's and women's ministry. Uh, Andy Davis, Michael Wells, Sam McCabe, Zach Morrow, working tirelessly on tech teams to improve our online presence. These are just a few. There are so many more that I don't have time to name. You are the stones of remembrance. You are living into your Ephesians 2.10 calling. You're a testament to God's power and presence. And when people look at your life, they see God's power. Do you realize that? That when you are living into your Ephesians 2.10 calling, that is when the presence of God is just bouncing off of you. It's when you are fully alive. And so we think about this altar that was built by Joshua, just like that altar for future generations, foundations being laid, a testimony to extraordinary God activity. It was proclaiming the power and the presence of God. Whew. This is where we've been in 2020, y'all. Just take that in. At a time when, you know, 50% uh, of all church plants fold in the first five years. I'm sorry, 80%. I said 50. 80% of all church plants don't make it to the five-year mark. 
So that means only 20% survive. And of the 20% that survive, many of those are struggling. And I have no idea why God has chosen us. I don't. It's not because of me, I assure you. But God has got his hand on restoration in an incredible way. And you are a part of that. You are a part of this movement. And so I just wanna say to you, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it. Because God is on the move and he is using us and will use us in this community and beyond to release people into their full potential in the kingdom of God. Okay, so as we enter into year seven, here are a few things that we wanna see God do. Number one, we wanna pay off this building. So we owe just under $2 million on the building. And we have some God-sized dreams on expanding the campus that I'm gonna show you in just a second. But in order to expand, we feel that God wants us to have a clean slate before moving forward. And so what does that mean for us? Man, we had our best year yet, and yet we still feel like there is room for us to grow in our ability to give. And so what we are asking you, if you call restoration your church home, man, don't think percentage. So many times we get fixated on this 10% number. And for some, that's overwhelming, you know, and then, and then uh, people will argue, you know, I've told you this before, they'll argue, well, 10% is an Old Testament, uh, an Old Testament concept. And I'm like, well, yeah, and Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow him. So uh, it's somewhere between 10% and everything, right? And so you get to figure that out. That's your journey with Jesus, all right? But here's the point. Don't think percentage, think participation. Every single dollar that's given will be used for the glory of God. And, and we are so excited that we got uh, a guy now at the helm stewarding our finances and making sure that we know where every dollar is spent every day. And so you can be confident when you give to restoration that you're giving to the purposes of accomplishing the mission of releasing people into their full potential in the kingdom of God. And we're super excited about that. Um, but we wanna pay the building off so that we can move on to whatever's next. And, and we wanna see that happen before the end of the calendar year. So that gives us about 10 months. 10 months, $2 million. So let's do it. Somebody needs to write a check today, all right? That's awesome. Okay, number two. We wanna identify a church planter and move toward planting a church in the area by the end of 2021. So we're currently in conversations with three church planters and we're hoping that one of them will be ready by the end of 2021 to plant a church. We've got a couple of, of areas that we've identified as, as low hanging fruit for us. Um, and so while we wanna expand the campus here, uh, we don't believe in either or, we believe in both and. We believe that we can expand our campus here and reach unreached areas in, in our geographical area to be more effective for the kingdom of God. And so we're super excited about that. And we know uh, that, that all three of these guys that we're talking to are guys that we feel like are gonna be super successful in planning healthy churches. And so we're excited about moving forward in that by the end of the year. And then number three, we wanna be ready to break ground on expansion by this time next year. Okay, let that sink in. So we wanna pay off this building, we wanna plant a church, and we wanna break ground on expanding our campus by this time next year. Man, this is extraordinary God activity, 
right? We're swinging for the fences. We don't wanna sit back. We've already seen God do incredible things this last year. And, and that has us believing that God's gonna do incredible things this year. Do you believe it? This will be extraordinary God activity for sure. But, but here is the God-sized dream that we will be worshiping in a new worship facility, Easter 2023, two years from April. So I just wanna show you just a quick video uh, of what our, our future expansion uh, is probably gonna look like. So check out the screen so that you can see. Let me just remind you that restoration is not uh, brick and mortar. Restoration is our people, right? And, and the reason that we know that we need to expand is because on any given Sunday morning, we're just functionally full, right? This is eight o'clock if you look around and thank you for getting here earlier. Um, but our 945 is usually overflow. Our 1130 is functionally full. And so this is really the only service that's not yet full. And our parking lot is completely full. And so uh, when you look at uh, what we just showed you, uh, that represents about 800 seats of worship space. And we know this, that once we build that building, we're done, we're done building here. We're not gonna go look for more land to build a bigger building. Uh, what's really cool about the worship space is currently it's about 70 feet to the back seat uh, of, of this worship center. Uh, the back seat of that worship center will be at about 47 feet. And so we're bringing everybody closer. We wanna create more intimacy. So as we put more people in, we wanna be closer to what's going on so that we don't uh, end up feeling stale.
sterile on a Sunday morning with a bunch of people in a room. Uh, more classroom space uh, for re-engage. Uh, we, we hope to launch regeneration over the next 24 months, which is this really incredible addiction recovery course. And uh, so we need more classroom space so that we can expand the number of people that we can get in the building at one time. Uh, right now, uh, on Sunday through Saturday, this building is full. I mean, we are literally a 24-7 ministry. We've got stuff going on here pretty much every day of the week except Friday. And that is when people are calling and saying, what day can we use the building? We've got 19,000 square feet of space here. And so uh, we want to make the best use of this possible. This will be reallocated for children's space and remodeled. So we're excited about that. Uh, and then uh, there will be an event lawn and a, a pavilion for us to do outdoor activities as well. So um, we're, we're super excited about it, but let me remind you, that's just brick and mortar. Restoration is about the people. And, and, and this is our expanded aircraft carrier, right? We just, our aircraft carrier needs to get bigger so that we can release more people into their full potential in the kingdom of God. It's just a tool. It's just a resource. And so let me just remind you, as we are closing out year six, and we're moving in to year seven. God has been faithful. It has been Him that is faithful. And we have watched our ministries expand for future generations. We have watched God do what only God can do. And we have all experienced and are continuing to experience the power and presence of God. And it's being lived out both individually and corporately as a church. And we're so excited about what God's gonna do. And so this year, let's accomplish these goals. Let's get this building paid off so that we can move on to whatever's next. Let's get a church or maybe more planted by the end of 2021. And then let's begin to move toward whatever it is God has for us next, for His kingdom and for His glory.